I'm walking down the path in my garden and I have a suggestion for you on how you could help with global warming. With a large lawn, I found a simple way of making a big difference. I sold my ride-on mower and bought a top-of-the-range Cress robotic lawnmower. It runs off rechargeable batteries and uses cutting-edge technology to mow and maintain a lawn this size. The petrol mower has gone, and with it, the emissions. I actually don't know why I didn't sell the ride-on sooner. With the Cress robotic lawnmower, the lawn is actually looking better. The tiny grass cuttings fall into the grass roots, helping to fertilize the grass. And the family doesn't have to put up with the noise and fumes from the ride-on. And I've freed up more of my time to spend with them and in the garden. It's an easy step. And you could also be making that change today. Ask for Cress in your local garden machinery dealer. Or visit cress.com. Hello and welcome to another edition of the RHS Gardening Podcast. I'm Jenny Bowden, one of the RHS's team of horticultural advisors, based here at Wisley in Surrey. The garden is always changing and in September, one of my favourite areas is the fruit field, where literally hundreds of apple and pear cultivars are ripe, ripening or have already been harvested. It's a traditional orchard brimming with lushness, ladders, crates, busy staff and a good labelling system. It's not just the sights and scents of the orchard, but the names like Winter Banana, Pitmast and Pineapple that have their origins way back in the mists of time. So, a very much an area of the garden that really rounds off the summer with a great crescendo of produce that'll last us well into the new year. Throughout the year, we bring you seasonal advice and tips from RHS experts. We also have features and interviews about all aspects of gardening, from pest control to plant care, garden design, environmental issues, wildlife and much more. Coming up in this episode, spring, Spanish, red or white, do you know your onions? We discuss how to choose, grow, store and cook with this versatile vegetable. We visit the stunning Wisley Rose Gardens to discuss rose care, fascinating new varieties to add interest and sense your garden, and combination planting to bring out the best in its perennial floral favourite. Plus, as always, we'll give you the latest news on RHS events across the UK. But first, as we step into September, let's join the garden teams to hear about some of the key tasks they're tackling right now. Hello there, it's uh, Andy Salisbury here, uh, Principal Entomologist um, at RHS Garden Wisley. And uh, as we go into late summer, early autumn, it's now time to think about controlling vine weevil. If you've noticed any sort of leaf notching on thick-leaved evergreen uh, plants in the garden, such as bay or rhododendron, that might be signs that the adult weevil has been active all summer. But it's the grubs that feed away in, on plant roots, um, often in pots and containers. They feed away over the winter months and it's those that you need to be more worried about. And the way to treat vine weevil is to treat your pots and containers with either a nematode biological control, which is available via biological control suppliers, or with uh, a chemical which you can use on pots but not in the open ground. The best time to treat vine weevil is in late summer, early autumn. So that's that's more or less at this time of year, in the end of August, September, through to perhaps the beginning of October. And as we come to late summer, a lot of people often find their lawns get dug up. And one of the primary causes for this can be badgers, foxes, birds of the crow family, 
going in after chafer grubs. Chafer grubs are beetle grubs. Uh, they get up to about uh, two, two and a half centimetres long when fully grown, and they feed away on the roots of turf. And the species which do this, as well as loosening the turf, they make a great meal for these animals that come in and, and dig it up. So if you find your lawn is being dug up, have a look at some of these areas, see whether you can find any of these white C-shaped grubs. Can be a bit late to treat if it's already happening, but if you catch it early enough, you can treat with a nematode biological control, which you water in, hopefully will kill off the grubs, and you then hopefully won't get the animals coming in and digging up the turf. The beetles themselves are around in early summer and uh, they're about centimetre, centimetre and a half long. Brown beetles that are, can fly up in large numbers from the turf. They lay their eggs. The eggs hatch in uh, midsummer and it's usually about late summer, early autumn when the problems become noticeable in turf. There are more than 10 species of chafer in the UK and it's usually only two species which cause problems in turf and that is the garden chafer and the Welsh chafer. You can also find more information on all aspects of gardening on the advice pages of our website, rhs.org.uk forward slash advice. There, you can also watch video guides to key seasonal jobs. I'm Jenny Bowden and you're listening to the RHS Gardening Podcast. The summer holidays may be drawing to a close for many, but there's still plenty to see and do in all four RHS gardens in the next few weeks. If vegetable growing tickles your fancy, but you're not quite sure where to start, join us at Harlow Carr on the 10th of September for a full day workshop starting from scratch, a beginner's guide to growing veg. Booking is essential and discounted places are available for RHS members. Former curator and TV's landscape man Matthew Wilson will be opening the Plant Heritage Plant Fair at Hyde Hall on the 17th and 18th of September. With around 30 local nurseries in attendance, there'll be a whole variety of plants available to buy and talks throughout the day. That's free with normal garden entry. At Rosemore, we're getting into the swing of the season with three consecutive celebrating September weekends, starting on the 2nd of September. The events will showcase the rich heritage of craft, food and arts that the local area has to offer, free with normal garden entry. And finally, don't forget it's the RHS Wisley Flower Show from the 6th to the 11th of September, a floral extravaganza like no other. This year it's opened by Dame Penelope Keith and features more nurseries than ever. And if you're feeling competitive, why not enter our daily competition on the 10th and 11th of September? Details of these and many other events are available on our website at rhs.org.uk forward slash event search. Now, roses. Roses are one of the most popular garden plants. They bring colour, scent and beauty to any plot. They'll ramble over arches, obelisks and perglas. And each year new varieties are launched that increase the range of colours and shapes available. They're becoming a lot more disease resistant too and easier to grow. Wisley has two stunning rose gardens which are looking their best at this time of year. We went to meet one of the team who looks after these areas to find out more about the varieties they're growing and the design and cultivation techniques the team uses to keep the gardens looking so vibrant. I'm Alex Wild, I'm part of the formal team at Wisley and today we're going to be looking at some of the roses and some of the rose care that uh, we're undertaking at this time of year. 
So here at Wisley we have two rose gardens, the main one being the Bowes Lion Rose Garden. This rose garden is a mix of herbaceous plants and roses, so this gives us a lot of interest and a lot of wow factor, particularly at this time of year. Our second rose garden is the Jubilee Rose Garden, that's a pure rose garden, so it's rose gardens, very traditionally planted, just single groups of roses mixed together in a uh, sort of quite formal way. We're currently uh, standing in the middle of the Jubilee Rose Garden. We can see lots of beautiful flowers around us, lots of fragrance, a mix of colours, a mix of bloom types, and it's looking very flourishing here today. We've got a lovely sunny afternoon, and we're going to have a look at some of the bits that are are looking really good at the moment. So a couple of my favourite roses... Tickle Pink is a really good one, Rose of the Year 2007. It's a really good, strong fragrance, a lovely soft pink colour. There's another really good one called Lucky, which was Rose of the Year 2009. This is a really bright, intense pink, really good fragrance. Both these roses are really good in terms of disease resistance, really sturdy, really strong, really good flowering specimens. So these are, are two that I'd recommend. Tickle Pink and Lucky are both Floribunda roses. Uh, These roses tend to have flowers in a big cluster at the top of a strong stem. Uh, The very traditional old-fashioned hybrid teas, these usually have one flower at the top of a a stem, and these are usually very, very fragrant, uh, very old-fashioned fragrant. Some people find them a bit too strong, Um, but it's really your own personal preference. A lot of people really like the David Austin roses, which are modern repeat-flowering shrub roses. These roses take a lot of fragrance from some of the old, very old-fashioned species and old-fashioned roses bred uh, early on in the century, and they've tried to breed these roses to have more vigour and that strong fragrance. So a couple of really good ones which... I like and which are looking really good at the gardens. Uh, Boscobel, which is a pink, and Darcy Bustle, which is a, a good strong red. Um, there's a, another really nice pink one called Queen of Sweden, which tends to have really quite good foliage and good colour stems in the winter, as does Mortimer Sackler, which has got good strong pink stems over winter, so you've got a little bit of interest there as well. And in the summer, it's got lovely pink flowers so currently with the roses we've got a lot of uh, tasks we need to do at the moment to keep them going and keep them looking good all summer one of the main tasks is deadheading so this is ongoing and continuous as the flowers fade Uh, this helps to promote new flowers uh, coming through the other main tasks are uh, we do liquid feeds in the growing season so after the first flush of flowers we do a liquid feed which promotes more flowering and good healthy foliage so we're standing at the center of the Bozeland rose garden at the moment it's approximately five to six years uh, since the area was changed from a, a pure rose garden with traditional beds to a, a mixed rose garden we're sanding just in the center now and you can see the the graduation of flower color from the top uh, which weaves down through the central path it starts off pinky whitey and then it goes into a patch of yellows which is um, interplanted with a mixture of blue agapanthus 
Karovskia, which is Russian sage, and a mixture of daisy-like flowers. And then we go into another section of pink and it flows through into a section of lighter pinks and whites. We've got a lovely combination of a pink rose called Mortimer with Echinacea, which is looking really quite stunning at the moment. And then we fade down into more whites and more darker reds. And then finally the color shade goes back to yellow. Meanwhile, with all this color, there's lots of other perennial combinations going on, which will bring the garden together. And, and it's really looking stunning at the moment. We're standing in front of a patch of Nepeta at the moment, and we've got lots of bees and lots of wildlife uh, buzzing around us. And you can really sort of feel in touch with nature when you're in certain parts of this garden. Alex Wilde in the Rose Gardens at Wisley. There's more information about all aspects of roses and rose care, including a list of rose varieties carrying the Award of Garden Merit on the RHS website. Now, to a plant whose perfume can equally be as powerful as the rose, but that has quite a different effect, the onion. Considered invaluable in the kitchen by many cooks, onions are one of the most popular vegetables grown in the UK. They're relatively easy to cultivate, harvest and store. Alongside their allium cousins, shallots and garlic, they make rewarding and productive crops. We visited the model vegetable garden at Wisley to discuss the best varieties to choose for flavour, disease resistance and ease of cultivation. We also heard some mouth-watering suggestions for this often underestimated vegetable. So today I'm with Mario Departche, who is in charge of the model veg plot here at Wisley. And we're talking onions, garlic and shallots. They're all related to one another. They're all alliums, basically. And at this time of year, Mario is starting the harvest, I believe. Is that right? You're harvesting at the moment. I did actually just finish harvesting onions and garlic. And uh, they are in storage now. Uh, they've been exposed to the sun for a few days so that the skin can harden off and now they, have, they, they are kept in storage for winter use. And what temperature do you keep them in storage at? How can people keep them in storage at home without them starting to grow? Yeah, well, they need to be frost-free but also they should be exposed to a temperature of around 13-15 degrees any lower than that and they, as you said, they would start growing again. Because it's September, we're kind of starting with the, the harvesting side of it. But then, obviously, the process starts a lot earlier in the season. Often with onion sets, they're going to be one of the ways that people are going to find it most easy to grow them. So perhaps you could tell us a bit more about cultivation and how easy it is to get your onions and garlic growing. Yes, the uh, end of summer, uh, in September now, is... Um time to start thinking about what to grow next year and um, and that includes obviously onions, shallots and garlic uh, especially shallots and uh, garlic because they need to be planted very soon by the, by the mid-October, end of October depending on the varieties they should be in the ground because they need to be exposed to the frost um, there are some very good varieties of uh, shallots like uh, Longo, Vigarmo, 
and they are like the what, what is known as the banana shaved shallot and they are very reliable very sweet ideal for risotto when you don't want to really taste the overpowering uh, onion you want something milder so you tend to use shallots but they're also excellent with, with uh, roast roast chicken for example or any uh, mixed vegetable roast they are really excellent just on their own um, garlic is uh, there, there is a large selection of varieties of garlic and they all have the the need to be exposed to the frost but according to the variety is a, a different time mm. uh, they can all be planted at the same time and what would be affected would be the harvesting date so some of them will be ready beginning of june beginning of july some of them mid july and some of them even later like uh, end of july or august and you can tell when they're ready to harvest do they fall over or turn yellow or how do we know when to start um yes, harvesting they, the, le- the leaves start to turn yellow but the most reliable way is to know the variety the information on harvesting time is usually given by by the suppliers so to know when the variety is supposed to be harvested is a great help so you don't have to just try try to guess yes yes because yeah, normally normally yeah normally is is i mean it's very common that uh, uh, garlic is left too long and uh, you can tell that if you dig one bulb and the skin is gone kind of black outside that's a clear sign that the garlic is being left too long in the ground which wouldn't be a big problem if the garlic was for uh, fresh use but for storing that would really affect the storing capability of the garlic. If people have got smallish spaces are all of these vegetables suitable for container growing? Um, In a way they are. The the important thing to remember is that um, crops from the allium family don't require a lot of nitrogen so the compost should be uh, appropriate for that kind of crop. Uh, a very rich compost would cause problems, especially with uh, with onions. Uh, would cause would cause serious problems. And um, so, as long as the compost is soil-based, uh, low in nutrients, all these crops can can be grown. Can be grown so in you pots. could use a, a John Innes number two, perhaps with. Bit of your own homemade garden compost, would you pro- say? Yeah, pro- probably would be some topsoil that has not been recently manured. Probably that would be the best bet. Okay. And are there any any diseases that we need to look out for, or are they trouble-free crops? Because we like I'm crops afraid. that are trouble-free. <laughs> they are. They are not. Uh, there are. There are some things that can be done in order to try to prevent the diseases or try to uh, lower the the seriousness of the, the disease but uh, in reality alliums are susceptible to quite a wide range of diseases and um, the most common ones are things like mildew uh, downy mildew and um, white rot onion rot unfortunately they have a permanence in the ground 
for quite a long time and they, it's, it's best to prevent them by uh, giving them enough space so there is good air circulation and keep them constantly uh, free from weeds mm -hmm. mm. so that there is no competition for air and water and light. So containers could be a way of preventing diseases and at least you can throw away the compost at the end of the year and start again. Spring onions are a good way of, of growing alliums in a small space, aren't they? Yes, and quick they are, to they mature. Are. Yes, they are, they are. And also there are some varieties like Ishikura which could be sown at this time of the year. Well, we are a bit late, but at the end of August they could be sown up to the end of August and they would grow through the winter and be harvested as required through the winter. They, they are called Japanese onions. Uh, Ishikura is the better known variety. So if you want a really wide range of uh, onions and shallots to choose from, um, would your best bet to be to take on a bit of a challenge and to grow them from seed? Is that going to give you the widest choice? In fact, yes, there are many more varieties available from seed but, uh, than, than there are from sets, but uh, there is a bit of a problem with germination. Uh, so if you don't have a lot of time to, to look after the, the, the vegetable garden, it's ideal to grow them from sets. And finally, with this wonderful, wonderful crop of alliums, is there something that you really like to make with, with onions that uh, really show them off to their best? Well, I mean, to be honest with you, the, each variety is... Um, onion onion is, usually, is usually used as a condiment rather than a vegetable in its own right. Having said that, there are some classic like onion soup or grilled onions or pickled onions. So by choosing the right variety... Uh, it's, uh, it's very easy to prepare dishes with, where the onion is actually the protagonist rather than just the sidekick. Charlotte's is an excellent substitute for onions, especially for people that may find problematic to digest onions. Likewise, garlic. Garlic, again, is used widely as a condiment. But if you can take the, some of the garlicness, some, some of the pungency of the garlic, elephant garlic is relatively easy to grow, resistant to rust, which one is one of the most uh, serious diseases of alliums and uh, the flavour is relatively mild and can be used as a, as a vegetable in its own right. You can just cut it in half, wrap it in foil and roast it and then scoop up the flesh and spread it maybe on a slice of bread, a toasted bread or maybe uh, on the skin of a chicken before roasting and would enhance that um, the flavour of the dish without giving the sometimes overpowering uh, taste of garlic. Thanks Mario, I think that's the one for me. <laughs> Mario de Parche in the vegetable garden here at Wisley. So that's all we have time for in this edition. We'll be back in a fortnight. 
Until then, remember you can follow us on Twitter at the underscore RHS and like us on Facebook. For now, from me, Jenny Bowden, and all the RHS Gardening Podcast team, goodbye. Walking down the path in my garden, and I have a suggestion for you on how you could help with global warming. With a large lawn, I found a simple way of making a big difference. I sold my ride-on mower and bought a top-of-the-range Cress robotic lawnmower. It runs off rechargeable batteries and uses cutting-edge technology to mow and maintain a lawn this size. The petrol mower has gone, and with it, the emissions. I actually don't know why I didn't sell the ride-on sooner. With the Cress robotic lawnmower, the lawn is actually looking better. The tiny grass cuttings fall into the grass roots, helping to fertilise the grass. And the family doesn't have to put up with the noise and fumes from the ride-on. And I've freed up more of my time to spend with them and in the garden. It's an easy step. And you could also be making that change today. Ask for Cress in your local garden machinery dealer. Or visit cress.com. Discover the beauty of an RHS membership all year round. Save 25% off an RHS membership today when paying by direct debit. Prices start at just £55.50. With a membership, you'll gain access to an array of special events at our gardens all year round. Be the first to know about RHS flower shows and get exclusive member-only days plus reduced rate tickets. And you'll have the chance to enhance your gardening know-how with access to free expert garden advice, monthly editions of The Garden magazine, and so much more. Terms and conditions apply.